0: Welcome to the Nerd Party.
1: Welcome to Great Shot Kid, the podcast on the Nerd Party Network that is focused on the aspects of filmmaking that sometimes are overlooked. I am one of your hosts, John. And I'm Mike. And this week, uh, we're going to be coming at you with uh, so, some interesting topics, as always. But, of course, you can reach us over at thenerdparty.com slash contact, look up Great Shot Kid. You can find us over on Twitter at joinnerdparty, use the hashtag Great Shot Kid. You can find us on Instagram as the Nerd Party or over on Facebook as the Nerd Party. And uh, before we get into our topic for the night, just a gentle reminder to everybody, I know that we have... Uh, been talking about this on the network, but it is a uh, very sincere uh, plea for any assistance that you can give. Uh, the Nerd Party has found itself in a little bit of a uh, uh, a legal issue, and we are put in a position where we have to pay a settlement. We don't have business insurance. We are not for profit. This money doesn't go toward anything having to do with operational expenses, but without business insurance. Going to trial was not an option for us, and so we are calling on you, the listeners, if you can, uh, to just whatever you can spare, be it a dollar, be it $2, be it 10 what have you, Uh, if you can help us out, go on over to GoFundMe.com slash TheNerdParty, and you can see a video there explaining in a little more detail what's going on, and uh, we appreciate everybody that has helped us, and we also appreciate anybody that will be able to help us. Settle this matter. So, thank you very much. So, we come to our, uh, you know, our show tonight, and Mike has just seen for the first time Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me, which I can assure everybody, I, you know, it's been established in a billion other places. I was a diehard Twin Peaks fan. I even stuck through it through the the awful parts of the second season. To get to uh, an unbearable cliffhanger of a second season finale. And then word comes there's going to be Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. So, of course, I was going nuts. Oh, my gosh. There's going to be a Twin Peaks movie. I'm so happy and I'm so excited. And I remember going to see it. And I remember all of that stuff that uh, my reaction at the time, what my opinion of it is now. But, Mike, I got to know, is somebody coming to it with fresher eyes than I had back then? or even now, what was your opinion?
0: Uh, I thought it was fine. <laughs> Just I, fine? Yeah. Um. You know, I mean, like, here's the thing. I, I mean, I think it's fairly well documented that I'm not a huge David Lynch fan. Um. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've ever seen a David Lynch movie, which I've, you know, really, really... I definitely haven't seen any, which I've loved, I've seen some which I thought were okay, and most of them I've just not liked at all. And so, Blue Velvet is just okay. No, or you didn't like it. I didn't like it. You know, I mean, I saw it in high school, so you know, maybe that influenced my opinion of it or something. But I, I didn't like it. Mulholland Drive, I didn't like. You know, as much as now I that one, to. that one I haven't seen. Have you seen Lost it's Highway? So f- Freaking weird. Wait, let's just back that up for a minute because Mulholland Drive is like the David Lynch movie. Like, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. I mean, just recently, like, they did that poll of like the, you know, where like critics voted on like the best films of the, you know, 21st century and Mulholland Drive was number one, you know? Like, that's really, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean I the thing is it's at the time that it came out, I
1: d I don't remember what year did that come out even. It was
0: like two thousand or two thousand and one, somewhere
1: in that area. Okay. So I know the period of life I was in at that point, which is why I missed it. And it just it's one of those ones where over time it's always in the back of my mind. It's actually on my Amazon to watch list, but then I always have homework for something or other and I'm you know, it's it keeps getting bumped down on the queue. Mm-hmm. I had no idea it was regarded as the definitive David Lynch film, because whenever I think of Lynch, I always hear people talk about *Wild at Heart*, which I haven't seen, um, *Blue Velvet*, uh, and *Twin Peaks*, and, and especially the new season, um, you know. And of course, his first film, *Eraserhead*, and then, you know, everybody has the endless conversation about *Dune*. But I had no idea *Mulholland Drive* was so high up on it. Maybe I need to elevate it up on my list.
0: Yeah, I mean, as someone who who knows nothing about, you know or who I mean I know about Lynch but I don't know much about like why people like his stuff or whatever but I think it is pretty well established that Mulholland Drive is the one to see especially out of the ones that you haven't seen from what it sounds like you know I think most yeah. Lynch Lynch heads or whatever they're called uh, would would say that <laughs> But, um, yeah, and, and I did see it just recently. I mean, I saw it in the theater, you know, and I was like, this is too weird for me." And then um, they did a David Lynch uh, a complete David Lynch retrospective at a theater in, in Chicago uh, a little while back, and they that's
1: right because they used the uh, the Black Lodge. Yeah. Design on it, and that was when I found out that you hadn't seen Twin Peaks, and my reaction was, "What? Yeah, they you hadn't had, seen Twin Peaks. They had like that yeah. on the
0: carpeting, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. I'm sure that people know, but I don't know what this is. But yeah, yeah and like opening night, you know, was Mulholland Drive. You know, they made a big deal out of that. That was going to be the opening night movie, and you know everything. So I'm like, I, you know, every and there was the whole thing with that critics list and everything like that. So I'm like, I need to watch this movie again. I think that. I'm going to really enjoy this movie this time around. And then, like, before the movie, they showed, like, all these, like, random interviews f- from over the years with David Lynch and all these, like, short films that he made and stuff like that. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm ready. Like, this is, I get it now. I hear him talk about his movies. I know what he's doing now. I can, I'm, I wasn't looking at them the right way. And now I know. And this, this is how I'm going to watch Mulholland Drive. And then I watch it. That way, and I'm like, yeah, this still doesn't work. It still doesn't work. But whatever, you know. I mean, it is so bizarre that that movie because it was originally, you know, intended to be a TV show on like ABC. So like, it starts off like the first half. I mean, there's it's it's a bit more complex than that, obviously, but the first half is essentially like the pilot and then they went back and shot you know like another hour which is what like the kind of the second half is so the first half it's just like okay it's very sort of like twin peaksy in terms of tone and everything like that and also in terms of content because you got to figure this was going to be on network television just like twin peaks And then all of a sudden you get to the second half and it just like completely goes off the rails and becomes this super, super bizarre abstract thing with where they're dropping F-bombs every other minute. And there's like violence and nudity and like you're like, okay, (laughs) once he knew this wasn't going to be on ABC, he just went full out, you know, with everything and now,
1: but the thing is, you're the fan of the gear shift. Yeah. You love
0: films with gear shifts in them, right? Yeah, I mean this. Okay. Yeah, this one went into like reverse or something. I don't know what was <laughs> what was going okay. on with this one, but it went crazy. It went to some crazy places. But you know, and and I mean, I guess I appreciated it more now than I did, you know, when I saw it in 2001 or whatever. But Uh, It still, it wasn't really, but sort of coincidentally, like right, right, I guess right before this whole festival started or whatever, I started watching Twin Peaks, and I've been just kind of steadily going along, and I finished it a couple months ago, and well, the two seasons, you know, the original two seasons, and um, and I was always like, well, I'm gonna watch Fire Walk with Me after that, you know, and then. I last night was the night, or two nights ago, was the night when I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to watch Fire Walk with me. And I did. And? And, I, and, and I, mean, I mean, I guess uh, as far as Twin Peaks is concerned, I would say it's the best Lynch thing that I've seen, not counting that short film that they showed after Moholland Drive where he builds a lamp. I think it's called Lamp, <laughs> which is literally 20 minutes of him... Walking you through the process of building a lamp, it's it's kind of amazing. But regardless, um, <laughs> the, the the like, I I really did enjoy Twin Peaks for the first, basically until they figured out who killed Laura Palmer. Right after that, it just I it doesn't know what to do, and it just starts no, meandering. No, it, it it
1: doesn't, it doesn't. The the whole thing, and the thing is, this has been recounted, you know, by others, you know many other places and i'm sure that did you watch the extras and stuff like that or no
0: i just watched it on netflix
1: because the the whole thing was that they didn't want to solve the murder but abc pressured them into it saying we can't sustain this viewership's dropping of course they moved the show on to saturday nights and you know saturday night at 10 o'clock is you're gonna get you know me watching television not you know, <laughs> your key demographic. Yeah. Uh. That you know, back watching television and everything like that, and they didn't. So, the the word is that Lynch and Frost left. Essentially, their names were still on the credits, but they they just said, "Fine, we did our business, and we're out." And then the people that were left took over, and you had those crazy. Plots with, you know, James going off with the woman and living above her garage and all of it. And Nadine being the lead cheerleader and everything. And supposedly key cast members reached out to Lynch and Frost and said, you guys have to come back. We're this is it's a nightmare. Everything's falling apart. And they did come back. And that's why at the end of the second season, you start to see this narrative cohesion start to come back into it. That starts being truer to the the spirit of the franchise and everything. But seeing as how you finished those two seasons, you've seen Fire Walk with me. I mean, to say that at the time when it came out, prequel shock was a foreign concept to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what is your reaction as somebody who watched those two seasons? Because I have a friend who... Still rails against Firewalk with Me because it doesn't line up exactly with certain aspects of things that were said during the television show. Sort of a complaint that we should all be familiar with with the Star Wars prequels and stuff like that, where it's like, well, why did we hear about Qui Gon before and stuff? You know, along those lines. Do you think that Firewalk with Me works as a companion piece to the series, or do you think that it it's better if it stands
0: alone? Yeah, no, I mean. To, to be fair, like I, I do not think that I, I would pick up on subtle things which contradict, you know, what what was on the show. You know, to be completely honest, and I mean, the big thing that I picked up on was that Laura Flynn Boyle wasn't in it. That was disappointing to me.
1: Um, there were reasons for that. There were. You remember during the show how it seemed like there was uh, an awkward love interest thing lining up with audrey horn and uh and dale cooper Mm -hmm. well kyle mclaughlin was dating laura flynn boyle off screen okay the the word through the years is that laura flynn boyle put a stop to that and uh was very difficult
0: about it and so they they found a way around uh Around all of that. Okay. Yeah, so. I, I looked on IMDb, and they said it was because she had, like, four movies scheduled at the same time or something, but... I, I keep
1: know. in mind, I'm repeating hearsay, but yeah. it is something that is so ensconced in the Twin Peaks fan base mm-hmm. as gospel yeah. that the 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 idea is firmly planted out there that uh, they didn't care if she came back. They were perfectly fine with replacing her. Yeah. I mean,
0: looking at some of the trivia, I thought it was surprising how, like... The movie almost didn't get made because none of the main cast members wanted to come back. You know, uh, that seemed a little yeah. strange to me. But um, especially like Kyle MacLachlan, you know, who
1: he was caught he was caught in the trap. He didn't want to be typecast. Yeah, yeah the 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 same trap that catches so many actors, where they're like, "Oh, kill my character." Oh no, I don't want to be typecast. I I will never understand anything like that because if I were ever in that position, I would go Carol O'Connor with it and just, I will play this part till the day I die. I will, you know, it's a steady paycheck and I'm an actor. I am riding that train until it doesn't pay off anymore. That's, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I guess, I guess what I would see there is like someone like Kyle McLaughlin who's in this show, which is very critically acclaimed and everything like that. You know, it's like, oh, this is my ticket to, do what I want to do, you know, and I mean, much like George Clooney has succeeded in that regard, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. But sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. I don't know, but it, seem, I mean, it Ka- seems it seems like McLaughlin's had a decent career. Yeah, he has. Yeah, no, but it seems like in this case, like David Lynch and Kyle McLaughlin had such a good working relationship that he would be like, "Yeah, I'll do it," you know, "I'll do a movie, sure, why not?" Because. You know, this is a character that we've established and it's a thing that we've been doing. And, you know, we we worked on doing together and all those other things. And why not? But. Yeah. No. Well, there was I know
1: there was um, originally he was like his heels were dug in and then he relented. Like that's what steered it toward the the structure that it wound up in. And then he sort of relented a little bit and said, "Yeah, you know what I will do. I would do more of this or something, right. I mean, so you haven't seen the cut stuff from Firewalk with me. No, there's a lot of stuff that went on the cutting room floor that would have gone a long way to making um the fans a lot happier because it was a lot more fan service in those cut scenes yeah uh that that would have tied it into the show.
0: I guess it's a type of thing where you really do have to cater to you know, the fan base, but also make it a standalone movie in a sense. And I think especially like in, in Lynch's case where he is this, you know, sort of like auteur, I can see his thinking of like, I want this thing to to stand on its own, you you know, like I can see that. Um, Yeah. But... And and I mean, I think it kind of, like I was kind of watching it throughout that to see like, does it work on its own? And yeah, it, it pretty much does. I mean, I think it works better having seen the show. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it is kind of, because it is a different type of story. It's not a mystery. It's, it really is everything mm. that, that leads up to it. And it's one of those things where it's, you know, it's not just like, let's see what these characters were doing before, Like it, it literally is like the show starts with this incident and now the entire show is trying to figure out what it was that happened. And here they're like, well, we're going to show you exactly what happened, you know? So I, I think that that's kind of a different type of prequel in a sense, and I think that it's interesting. I mean, one of the things that I heard, which was also interesting, was he had like ideas for like a few more movies that would sort of like spin off of it following yeah. like different characters and i mean but this one didn't make any money so no this
1: this i this was definitely i think a uh I mean, it's good that he made it stand on on its own. I know that when I went back and I, I cracked open my Blu-ray set, I purposely watched Firewalk with me before I went back and rewatched the series because I did not want to be biased and have that expectation laying on it. And I actually reacted a lot better to it, and I actually think it's much stronger than I did back in 1992 when it came out. Um, but it's it's really interesting because pairing that with what you said about Mulholland Drive the new Twin Peaks The Return the, the season that they just had that was you know in Lynch's words an 18 hour movie mm-hmm. that is fascinating to me because it more much more fully indulges the fire walk with me aspect of the show than it does the traditional ABC format of the show, yeah, I've heard it's that. Way, yeah. way more Fire Walk with Me inspired than anything else, um, and
0: that's what cool. a lot of people didn't go go along with. I mean, I don't know. It's so weird. I, like, I, you know, it, I mean, because like Twin Peaks is always one of those shows where you hear about and people are like, "This is, you know, cinematic television." You know, there's like, there's Twin Peaks. You know, I mean, back in the day, back before Sopranos or whatever, it's like. Yeah. You know, there's Twin Peaks and there's X-Files and that's pretty much it, you know? And I mean, just watching this, it's like, or watching the show, it's like, I guess, but that's not what I was expecting when, when this show started, you know? I mean, it's, or when I started the show, like, just the, the weird screwball, like, comedy in it and everything... Like, to the point of, like, um, just being just sort of, like, jokey for jokey's sake, which I don't, I mean, I'm not, I don't necessarily think that that's a negative, you know? I think it may be out of place with what they're trying to do on the whole here, but, like, it it doesn't feel, you know, extremely cinematic to me, really. I mean, not more so than X-Files, for example. And... I I I don't know. So so seeing like this this movie, right? Um, I was kind of expecting something, even though I had seen the show. I was thinking like, well, this is going to be darker than the show and everything, and it was. But there are still moments where it's like, this is weird. This is weird that they're doing this here. I I don't quite understand yeah. their logic, but that's okay. You know. Well,
1: it's it's. I I think Fire Walk with Me, and I think that um. It's really interesting because I found myself questioning I still have to rewatch. I watched the Twin Peaks the Return, and I loved it. I adored it. I thought it was brilliant and wonderful, but I have to challenge myself on it, and I have to go back and rewatch it because I think part of my reaction both to when I went back and I rewatched Fire Walk with me and when I you know watched Twin Peaks the Return is that lynch at the very least is doing something so radically different than what i'm usually getting that i think at least part of my reaction is rooted in the fact that ah this is different this is this i i don't know what to expect this is way out there and i'm not going to know the story beats and i don't know when the humor is going to come and i don't know when i'm going to get freaked out and i don't know when it's going to be terrifying and and all of those sorts of things and i think that I do think that Twin Peaks as much as I adore the show as much as I think it stands up with the exception of that patch in the in the second season I think that there is very much a large nostalgia aspect that plays into it when I go back and revisit it because it was at the time so so incredibly different from what anybody else was doing on television They'd had murder, you know, who shot junior They They'd had all of those sorts of things. But to have a show that dealt with, you know, essentially when you look back, the whole thing is a very weird metaphorical way of dealing, you know, with child abuse. Like, it, it's the same sort of thing that he explores in Blue Velvet. And this this isn't to take anything away from Mark Frost, because Mark Frost had a hand in it too. Lynch gets all of the credit, but Mark Frost had a really heavy hand yeah. in creating Twin Peaks. He's like the forgot he's like Bill Finger to David Lynch's Bob Kane. Yeah. Where it's like, there was another guy that helped with Batman guys. Let's let's give him a little bit of credit here. Um but the 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 whole thing of it was just that it was so it was so incredibly unique. It was so you know it's just like you know nowadays I think that there are films that I react to in a much more positive way because it's not just another franchise film it's a splash of water and it's oh yeah okay this is what cinema can do awesome. You know.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I can see that, you know, especially in, in regards to, I mean, like, that was one thing which I kept on thinking while watching it was like, yeah, now we've seen things like that and everything. But, you know, knowing sort of like the climate of network television in, you know, 1990 or whatever, I was like, how did this get made? You know, how did someone say, yeah, yeah, let's do this? That's so bizarre to me. But... <laughs> You know, so good. well that's the
1: the second season opener, that still stands as one of the most terrifying sequences in television history to me, where you see Ronette Pulaski in the hospital bed, starting to wake up from her coma, and you see the flashes of what went down when Bob killed Laura, mm-hmm. like that. I remember going into school, you know, the, the, after it aired, and everybody standing around who who did watch Twin Peaks, like did. Did you sleep last night? Yeah. I don't think I could sleep anymore. That was awful. You know, and like uh, you know, so I it really did push an envelope. I think that it still it still stands uh overall, but I can understand why like it's sort of it's sort of like introducing somebody uh to Star Wars for the first time now mm-hmm. who didn't grow up with it and didn't see it. Their reaction is going to be somewhat diluted from the fact that they came up through the era that was influenced by star wars so there's nothing about it where they can have any sort of spark of how different it was at the time they can still see it they can still recognize how perfect it is and how wonderful but they'll never have that moment of that spark going off yeah yeah yeah, I mean,
0: I, I don't know. I, I I can appreciate it for what it is and, and and everything like that. But ultimately, I don't think that it's. I mean, like I'll never rewatch Twin Peaks. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I I to. I would like to see the the new season, but you know, I'm not gonna pay to get Showtime to watch. <laughs> you know what I mean, or whatever that it's on. Yeah. It's 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 just one of those things. Maybe if there's another show on Showtime, which I'm going to watch, then I'll 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 check it out. But it's just um, I don't know. It's just it's just okay. But I, I do, and because and, I mean, this is the thing. Like going to that Mulholland Drive thing, you know, where they're seeing a whole bunch of like external lynch stuff and everything. There there was, I don't know, something about that which I I did. Appreciate a lot, and something which I think about a lot. There's this, it's just like a little like PSA that I, I don't even know where it came from, but it's like John Waters, and he's just like sitting in a chair, like smoking a cigarette, and he says something yeah. along the lines of, you know, like, get more out of life, see an effed up movie. And like, it's like one of those things where it's like you'd expect him to say that, whatever, but. I think about that all the time and it sort of like really influences like my, my movie watching, you know, kind of like choices and stuff. And that's, you know, sort of like what, I mean, one of the reasons why I keep on coming back to Lynch, even though I never see anything of his that I like, because (laughs) I keep on hoping that this will be the one that connects, you know? And, you know, certainly his his influence can be felt elsewhere. I mean, something that we were just talking about uh, off mic, which uh, I just recently finished season one of, is Legion. And, like, that has that, you know? And I think it's it's not as weird as Twin Peaks, right? But it's also part of the X-Men franchise, you you know? And it's like, okay, this would literally... I mean, this is basically like, if David Lynch were to do an X-Men show, this is what it would be, you know? And it's not that much of a stretch to say that that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's really, really out there. And I don't know, it's influenced the way that I've watched m- movies, not not just the choices, but the way that I've watched movies. Like, you know, back in 2001, I was looking at Mulholland Drive and actively trying to put all the pieces together, and figuring out like how it all fits. And now it's gotten to the point where like if I am, like when I watched Fire Walk With Me, I was like, I'm not going to be so concerned about the literal events as I am about what they mean. And I think if I do that mm-hmm. w- and not really try to come up with explanations, just try to see what it is that he's going for in terms of... Yes. The themes and stuff like that, that I'll, I'll probably appreciate it a lot more. And I think that I do. I think that I, that's why I appreciated Mulholland Drive more. And that's why I appreciated, you know, Fire Walk with Me. But it's still not, I'm still waiting for that next level thing, you know?
1: I, you know, I remember seeing Lost Highway and at the time at the end of the movie having a reaction like f this movie but it's a movie that i've continued thinking about relentlessly since i saw it for the first time and i've never stopped thinking about it and it's it's bizarre because if you would asked me at the time that i saw it i would have said this movie's terrible don't waste your time with it this is just complete nonsense and then for some reason something clicked with me and i was like
0: oh Expressionism, cool, got it. Yeah, that's the one I saw that in high school too. Like, I did like an independent study, like a film criticism, like independent study in in high school, and basically it was the guy who was like the history and film and photography teacher saying like, I mean, it it was it was really weird, you know. He'd be like, "Well, what what are you interested in? What do you want to write about?" okay, write this paper, you know, or, you know, but then another part of it was him saying, like, have you ever heard of David Lynch? Have you ever seen any of his movies? No? Okay, well, here's Lost Highway and Blue Velvet. Watch them and come back and tell me what you think, you know? And In high school. In high school, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so I, I did see Lost Highway in high school, and I'm like, I don't like this movie, but I... It's one which I've always wanted to revisit. I was really disappointed when I didn't get to see it as part of that festival thing, and uh, yeah. one day I will go back and check it out for sure.
1: I think it's a forgotten one. Nobody ever brings it up
0: when they talk about Lynch. I hear a Nobody lot of, of people bring it. I, I don't know. Really? I, I, yeah. I know, like huh? Marcelo at the Talk Film Society. He, I think that's his favorite Lynch movie. You know, there's a lot of people who who, who really do love that movie for sure. I don't think it's. I'm running in the wrong in, top in top. the wrong circles then. Yeah, yeah, yeah you need to okay. start.
1: <laughs> I remember the soundtrack was pretty boss too because uh, Trent Reznor had a hand in it. Yeah,
0: and I so. do like I. I found like a playlist on like one of it because like Apple's got all those playlists on, you know, their Apple Music or whatever, and they're like songs from '90s movie soundtracks. And like half the songs were from Lost Highway. I'm like, okay, I didn't know that <laughs> yeah. that was a thing, but okay, I guess it is. So
1: I wonder if they'll uh, did Did they put the uh, Natural Born Killers soundtrack on there? I I think
0: they had a few things from that. Yeah, yeah that's a really there's, good soundtrack.
1: Of I, course. yeah, there's one song I doubt that Apple Music has streaming on their playlist though. So it's y- 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 Patti Smith song that I don't think is going to make the cut.
0: Okay, right.
1: uh, yeah, that's that's yeah. That one doesn't go over well, usually. So, <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. Uh, but, you know, Lynch's, you know, actually, just as a final note, though, is Lynch's loose, loose, use of music is pretty, it, you know, it's it's one of his calling cards. You know, it's a, it's a stamp of a Lynch film. You know, do you think the, the Fire Walk With Me soundtrack stood out to you at all? Or
0: do you think that it's still when he's in his nation stage trying to figure out how to make it work? I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, the, I think the things that stood out to me about it are, you know, I, I think partially because of the nature of television, right? It's that sort of thing where you have, like, four pieces of music, you know, which are, are composed for it, yeah. and you play them again and again and again. It, it almost became like a joke. And, and I think it was sort of used to great effect in the original show because it's like... Wow, this this is playing like a love theme over this thing, which is like not at all appropriate for this particular scene, you know. And I thought there was some humor there, and you know, when when the the music starts in in this one, there's the whole thing with Chris Isaac and keifer sutherland at the beginning and it was yeah. it was very much twin peaksy but it was not any of those themes and i was like hmm this is weird i mean i guess this is a thing that they do for movies is you know you take it and you whatever you got to make it a little different but then like as soon as they get to twin peaks like the theme song kicks in and i'm like that's really well done and then the way that they sort of were able to weave in and out of like the the TV themes. I think was effective, but then there was also that whole sequence that was done in the club, where the music is just you know blaring, yep. and you don't even hear the dialogue. You just hear you just see, you see subtitles. I thought that that was extremely effective, and I wonder why more movies don't do that. To be honest, but it, it really was sort of. Uh, I mean, it reminded me of like Magnolia and stuff, you know, like a lot of people complain about, mm. and, and also like Dunkirk and everything, where a lot of people complain about not being able to hear the dialogue over the music. And it's like, you're not, you're not supposed to, I don't think really, you know, right. it's say he, they're trying to say like, it's just as important or whatever. And, you know, I, th- I thought that was, that was really well done. For sure. Well, you know, a funny note about the soundtrack
1: is I listened to, on cassette tape, kids, the, uh, the Twin Peaks soundtrack, like nonstop when the show was on. Mm-hmm. It was I mean, I was obsessed with the music like anybody else uh, who, who watched the show. I'll never forget. There was a girl. I won't. I remember her name, but, you know, <laughs> keeping things anonymous. I remember we were at a speech and debate trip because, of course, I was on the speech and debate club. <laughs> Why wouldn't I be? And I was listening to it on my little Walkman. And uh, she asked to listen to music. And I was like, oh, it's from Twin Peaks. And she didn't know. And I was like, oh, you, you've you never seen it? Okay. And I gave her the headphones. And uh, this is in the days even before earbuds. Uh, so I, I gave her the headphones to listen. And Laura Palmer's theme was playing. And she actually, like a tear came down her cheek. She was like, that's so beautiful. That's an amazing piece of music. I was instantly smitten with her. <laughs> I asked her out on a date. And she brutally turned me down. Mm-hmm. And I was like you know television lies it always <laughs> lies even when you're just listening to the soundtrack from a TV show that stuff never happens the way it happens in TV yeah it's it was a wake up call it really really kind of was oh wow well. so yeah you know i doubt she even remembers me or the incident but it it tends to make an impression <laughs> on a young man's mind when that happens so uh but uh yeah no i you know i'm i'm thrilled that you saw it i'm thrilled that you enjoyed uh, Firewalk with me. Uh, if people want to talk to you about Twin Peaks and and talk
0: about that stuff, where can they reach you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at mumbles3k, and uh, I'm sure it'll come up on on uh, my my other show, which I'm just getting started. Which you know, people should check out if you you know like hearing me talk. Uh, Film Damage, which is a show about uh, movies from the perspective of the booth, me and Max two former projectionist, talking about movies, talking about film projection, and all the rest of it. Uh, so head on over to com and check that out, or you can find us on iTunes or whatever.
1: It's an excellent show. I do recommend people listen to it. And it's so. got some snazzy John Mills artwork. Uh, oh, you know. Yeah mark of any good podcast, really, when you think about it. It's definitely true. (laughs) Uh, And you can find me here on the network, co-hosting Aggressive Negotiations with Matthew Rushing, and you can find me out there in the Ether co-hosting Words with Nerds with my pal Craig. Both, of course, available wherever you find your podcasts. And uh, if you want to talk to me online, I'm available as Kessel Junkie on your social network of choice. So uh, thank you for joining us this week, and uh, we look forward to Joining you next week here on Great Shot Kid uh, when we'll see you and you'll see us under the sycamore tree. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.